Welcome to Sports Tonight on this beautiful Wednesday. I'm sports producer Scott Pennyman, uh, up here for the first time in about a week. Had a little vacation, and look, during that whole vacation, I was watching plenty of sports. I was looking to see what was kind of going down with everything. There's been a lot going on the last week or so. So look, I'm just ready just to get to it, right? So very first thing here, Carson Beck, uh, a few days ago, he was named a starter. He was named a starting quarterback um, for UGA. And so today was the first time since he was named a starter that we had an opportunity to listen to him and speak. And he got out there and uh, really just talked about um, how grateful he is to to become the starter. He's been at UGA for four years now. He had a chance to sit for some years, really watch Stetson Bennett go out there and do his thing, win a couple of national championships. And now he takes over the reins uh, of a Ferrari. He takes over a team that has won a couple national championships consecutively so you know he hit the podium today and he really talked a lot about you know much of the press conference was him just really being happy that he had been named a starter uh just how long the journey had been how all his friends and everyone was uh just so happy that he uh was named the starting quarterback um for the best team in the country for number one team in the country so there's a lot of responsibility that goes along with that i would say kind of yes and no so obviously if you're the starting quarterback for uh, a two-time defending national champion. There's obvious pressure that goes along with that because you want to be as good as the last guy. Stetson Bennett obviously um, had a very decorated career, got drafted in the fourth round by the Rams. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really hard to sort of back that up. But at the same token, when you think about what the offense is at the University of Georgia and just how they're so loaded uh, around him uh, in the backfield. There's um, a lot of guys that can run the ball. We'll uh, sort of talk about a little bit more about that in a moment as far as guys in the backfield. But just think about, um, you know, what's their wide receiver. They always have one of the best offensive lines. So I would say that it's a really, it's, that it's a really difficult job to step up to being a starting quarterback at UGA. But in the same token, because of how their offense is run and what they ask quarterbacks to do, I think it's a really good position to be in because they don't ask their quarterbacks to win the game. Uh, the way Kirby Smart's off, the way the offense goes out there with, um, you know, and I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be a lot of the same offense, even with Bobo at, at the coordinator position. I think it's going to be a lot of just distribute the ball to the playmakers around you. Get the ball to the running backs. Get the ball to the wide receivers. You got an All-American, All-World, probably future top five or six draft pick in Brock Bowers at the tight end position. Get him the ball. I think it's going to be not much different than what you've seen the last few years out of the quarterback position, which is basically don't mess things up. Don't, don't try to be cute. Don't try to be a superstar. Don't try to be a hero. Just get the ball where it needs to go. Get the ball out of your hands. Get the ball in the hands of playmakers and watch them go. So I think when you look at it from that aspect, sort of uh, with Carson Beck, he's, he's in a prime opportunity here to shine and to be able to show what he can do because he's going to be very well protected within that offense just because of the kind of weapons they have. Now, it does make me wonder, too, when you think about the state of college football, and I thought about this when he was named a starter, when you think about the state of college football, most of these guys who are backups, uh, especially in a school like UGA, these guys are four- and five-star prospects, too. So when you think about Brock Vandegrift, the guy who he beat out for this job, uh, he's the number two. So when you kind of think about where he's at right now, well, I think he's the number two. I mean, I guess Kirby will kind of make that designation as we go along. So you got Gunnar Stockton behind him and you have Brock Vandegrift. So if you're a guy like Brock Vandegrift, what's the motivation in remaining the backup quarterback for 
um, Carson Beck. I mean, when you kind of think about it, it makes all the sense in the world for some of these guys to transfer, right? Which is why I think a lot of these universities wait at wait <laughs> as long as they do to name a starting quarterback because I think they understand too. It's a business. It's a business from the school standpoint. It's a business from the player standpoint. It has to be. I think if these schools are going to be all about business, the players also have to be all about business. So if a guy beats me out for a starting position, like in the case of Rock Vandegriff, I would think you have to transfer. I mean, especially when you consider Rayola coming in next year, best number one player in the nation, he may have an opportunity to start as a freshman. Right. So I just think when you think about where he is as far as his career, it's probably not beneficial to stay at UGA. Uh, yeah, he's going to get some playing time. I mean, because they're going to beat a lot of people 65 to nothing this year, especially when you look at their schedule. I think they're going to have a lot of games where they're going to blow a lot of teams out. So Vandegrift is going to get some time. He's going to play all that. Cool. But I think as far as him being the guy, as far as him being a starting quarterback, I just think that it's a good chance that's not going to happen. Not just with Beck at the starting quarterback position this year, but when you when you look at Rayola coming in next year from from Buford, uh, well I guess through Buford via Arizona where he was, he's the most highly touted quarterback in the country. He's probably gonna fight for a starting job next season. So if I'm Vandegrift, I gotta wonder where's my playing time gonna come? When is my time gonna come? I don't know. I mean, so I, I think look. If you're at a school like UGA and you're a backup quarterback, you could probably go somewhere else and start with no problem. I mean, he could probably go right down the road here to Georgia Tech. I, I, look, I don't know what they got going on at the quarterback position right now down there. I know they had guys fighting for the job too. But you mean to tell me if a guy like Vandegrift was a transfer to Georgia Tech that he wouldn't be the guy, that he wouldn't be the starting quarterback for the next few years? I'm just saying, you know. So to me that makes perfect sense. But, look, is that young man's future – He'll have um, a lot of time to decide what he wants to do moving forward. Good luck to him. Good luck to the uh, to Carson Beck, who is a starting quarterback. So we'll see how he does moving forward. So one unfortunate thing that kind of came up um, last few days was running back Branson Robinson, the uh, the sophomore running back. He was the number one rated running back in the country um, uh, of his recruiting class in 2022. He was he was expected to come back this year and have a Big season um, in the backfield for UGA. Definitely a more active role. Um, he wasn't necessarily going to be the starting running back, but he was certainly going to have a more active role within the offense. So he tore his patellar tendon uh, in practice on Tuesday, and he's going to miss the rest of the 2023 season. And that's a big injury because when I think about the history of the guys in professional football who have torn their patellar tendon, that's a very hard injury to bounce back from. So... Um, from a perspective of looking at him and his career, um, let's hope he is able, he's a young man, so let's hope he's able to rehab and get back on track and get his body back where it needs to be so that he can become the player that he needs to be. Now, if you're looking at this from a football perspective, this may not hurt UGA all that much when you think about it, right? I mean, because a school like Georgia, they have a lot of guys that can run the football. They're going to have a lot of options in that backfield. Um you know, to of guys that can run the ball. So uh, when you look at their depth chart, I mean, they still have Kendall Milton, okay? They still have Dewan Edwards. Just with those two guys right there, they're going to be able to get some yards on the ground, right? And they also have the kind of offense where they get the ball a lot to um, 
uh, Brock Bowers, too. A lot of those end-of-the-round plays. I mean, I don't know how many times we saw that last year. You would think if you're a defense, you were going to be looking for a lot of those plays, right? Because it seems like I saw uh, Brock Bowers run about 34 <laughs> of those per week where those end-of-the-round plays or those reverses. And, I mean, it seems like every time he ran that play, he got a chunk of yards. So, and you would th- I'm not a defensive coordinator, but you would think you're going to see that play a couple times per game if you're a defense going against UGA this season, right? Because they've run an awful lot with Brock Bowers, you know. So, um, yeah. So, look, I mean, prayers to, prayers to Branson as he battles back from a devastating knee injury. So, let's hope that he's right. But I think from a football standpoint, UGA is going to be okay because they're going to be able to run the football. Look, these schools like these, – <laughs> these Power 5 schools, man, look, they have players on top of players. I mean, that's probably a guy we never even heard of, nobody even thought about right now in that backfield who when you insert him in, he'll step in and bam, he'll have a 100-yard game. I mean, that's just the way these Power 5 schools work. When you're at a school like Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, they have a lot of talent. They have a lot of depth at all these positions. So from a football standpoint, they're going to be okay. But more so I'm talking about from a life standpoint for uh, Branson and his career and where it's going. Let's hope that he does uh, some good rehab this year, gets that knee back right, and this time next year we're talking about the impact he's going to have on the football field. So uh, prayers to him. So let's talk some more football now, obviously. So final preseason games coming up this week. So today the San Francisco 49ers decided that their backup quarterback um, to Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy's the starter. So their number two quarterback is going to be Sam Darnold, a former top three pick himself, uh, former top five pick. I believe he's top three, top five. But anyway, a former top draft pick. So that's interesting because you got Trey Lance sitting back there, right? So Trey Lance, uh, we all know how much they gave up for him a few years ago in the draft. They gave up a couple first-round picks to move up to get Trey Lance. Lance started a couple games last season before he got hurt for the season, went on IR. And guys hate getting hurt, not just because it hurts to get hurt, right, physically, but it hurts your standing on that team because when you go down, you're going to give that next guy behind you an opportunity to shine. And that's exactly what happened to Trey Lance last year because when he went down, he gave Brock Purdy a chance to shine, and man, did Brock Purdy shine. Uh, led them all the way to the NFC Championship game where he got injured, and if he doesn't get injured, who knows what happens. I mean, maybe they have an opportunity to beat the Eagles, but they did not. Um, but what it did was Purdy kind of solidified his standing as the starting quarterback in San Francisco. So really coming into this training camp, there was no question who the starting quarterback was going to be. I think everyone knew it was going to be Brock Purdy, but then – the real question became, who is going to be number two? So you have Sam Darnold who, and let's be real about it, Sam Darnold suckers a lot of teams into Sam. Sam Darnold's ability suckers a lot of coaches and a lot of executives into giving him chances. What I mean by that is when you watch Sam Darnold on the practice field and how pretty the ball looks when it comes out of his hands, he's got all these great mechanics. You look at him and you go, man. Why is he not much better than what he is? Well, it's because he doesn't have it between the ears, and that's probably the reason why he struggles as a quarterback. So I think Kyle Shanahan, 
with as good as he's been with a lot of different quarterbacks throughout the years, thinks that if you put his ability to coach with some of the 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 attributes that Sam Darnold has, I think he thinks that Darnold could be a more than capable number two, but maybe even a number one if he has to be, just with his ability. So I think Sam Darnold has done it again. He's gone to camp and he suckered a whole coaching staff with his uh, talent and ability to be able to throw the football so well that he sold them on his ability to now he's the number two guy and Trey Lance, who they traded up and gave away so much, multiple first-round picks to get in the first round, is now the number three. So now that sort of raises issues as to, you know, where, what's next for Trey Lance, right? And I think he, here's a young man who I think was caught in a very, um, I guess you'll say he was caught in a very, unfortunate circumstance for where he is in his career, right? Because he's a young quarterback who was really, when, it, when, when Trey Lance was drafted, most people thought that he was a couple seasons away from being a real legitimate starting quarterback because he went to a small school, and so he really, really, really was a really raw prospect. And so unfortunately for him, he got caught on a team with Super Bowl aspirations. I mean, like immediate Super Bowl aspirations. Like the 49ers feel like they can go to a Super Bowl and maybe win a Super Bowl this season. So that's a really bad mix for a player uh, um, of where uh, Trey Lance is at this point in his career because he's a young man. He's a raw quarterback. He needs to be in a situation where he can really grow. And a team that is competing for championships, a team with Super Bowl aspirations, is not the place to grow. So I think Brock Purdy is probably, for where he at, for his maturity, even though he's also a young player as well, I think his maturity at the position right now is more suitable for where they're at. And so when you look at Trey Lance, you start thinking about teams that might make sense for him. Right. So, of course, we're in Atlanta. So I'm looking at the Atlanta Falcons and I'm looking at their roster and I'm going, would Trey Lance make some sense? At least to bring him in and be like a number two behind um, Desmond Ritter. I don't know. I mean, I think that makes some sense. Right. I mean, if you bring in a player like that, he's a young raw quarterback. Right. He's got some mobility. Um, he's got some solid attributes. And I think if you're in a team like the Falcons and you have Desmond Ritter at quarterback, if that doesn't really work out, most teams then go back to the draft and they go look for, you know, kind of maybe like their own quarterback, the groom and everything like that. But what a cool option Trey Lance would be to basically be a player who was just drafted a couple years ago, who was a top three pick a few years ago. And. Maybe he may be, you know, sometimes you put different guys in different situations, you get different things out of them. So I think maybe if you take a player like him, put him in a situation more like what the Falcons have right now, which is a team that's probably not really expected to really compete for a Super Bowl. I think if the Falcons become a playoff team this year, I think they'll be thrilled with where that ends up at. But let's say they struggle. Let's say Desmond Ritter has struggles and he doesn't. He maybe doesn't look like the answer. What a fallback a guy like Trey Lance might be. I mean, a young quarterback who has elite sort of prospect ability that maybe just needed a breath of fresh air, a new situation, a new coaching staff, and maybe just um, a little bit of time to be able to develop. So I think teams will go back. They'll sort of see where uh, 
where Trey Lance is at right now, see where their quarterback situation is at, and really just see what makes sense. But I think, um, you know, when you look at the Falcons' perspective, it may be something. I'm not saying they should go all in for Trey Lance to give up whatever, but I think that it's something that they should maybe take a look at. That's all I'll say. Um, because I think he is a young man with some ability, and I think maybe he could beat something one day. Who knows? If he gets himself in the right situation. So, last real topic here. So, <laughs> and I don't even know how to even jump into this one. So, uh, ESPN First Take host Stephen A. Smith says he got a text message early this morning at 5.45 a.m. from none other than Michael Jordan. Probably, well, definitely in my opinion, the greatest basketball player who's ever played the game. And so he had a response to Steph Curry a few days ago claiming that pretty much it's him and Magic being the best point guards of all time. He thinks that he is uh, the best point guard to ever play ahead of Magic Johnson. And so I guess that was such an intriguing topic that his airness, Michael Jordan, decided to chime in with Stephen A. Smith and basically send him a text. Now, what Michael was doing up at 5.45 in the morning thinking about Steph Curry, I have no idea. That's a whole other story, right? But he sent Stephen A. a text message basically saying, Magic Johnson, without question, is the best point guard to ever play. But Steph Curry, without question, is the greatest shooter to ever play the position. And see, so here, so here's what I'll say real quick. So I do believe that Magic Johnson is probably still the greatest point guard to ever play the game, right? But I think you're doing a disservice when you call Steph Curry, when you sort of limit him to being the greatest shooter who's ever played the position. Because Steph Curry is more than just a great shooter. He's a great basketball player all around, and he was pretty much the foundation for a Golden State Warriors team that won four championships over a seven-year span, kind of had their own, little, their own little dynasty there. And he was the driving force for all those championships, right? So I know people will say, look, they had Kevin Durant. He was finals MVP for a couple of those. Kevin Durant was just as good. But look, they won two championships without Kevin Durant. They won two with him, but they also won two without him. And one of those, uh, which was in 2022, Steph was the finals MVP for so Steph has won a couple, he's won a couple championships without Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant hasn't done a thing without Steph Curry. So I have no problem calling Steph Curry the driving force for four NBA championships in Golden State. So now let's break down the aspect of him. Like I say, he, he, he's been the foundation of that dynasty. He's a great all-around player. He averages a lot of points. He averages a good amount of rebounds for a point guard of his career. And he averages a lot of assists. I mean, just when you look at Steph Curry's career so far, he's way more than just a shooter, you, you know. Um, let's look up some of these numbers here, you know. Now, look, I love Michael Jordan. Make no mistake about it. Michael Jordan, like I said, I believe he's the greatest player to ever play basketball, without question, right? But I'm going to have to I – don't, I don't disagree with his opinion for Magic being at the top, but – I do disagree with him calling Steph just a shooter, right? Because when you look at Steph's career numbers, we're looking at a guy over the course of his career that has averaged 29 points a game. Well, no, he's averaged 24 points a game. I'm sorry. He's averaged 24 points a game for his career, six assists, and almost five rebounds. 
That sounds like a very well-rounded player to me. So I just feel like you're doing a disservice when you, yes, without question, he's the greatest shooter to ever play. But when you start thinking about the best point guards to ever play, I think he has a legitimate argument. Now, I'm not putting anybody over Magic right now. I mean, five NBA championships in 11 seasons. When you think about winning in basketball, there are very few people who are better winners than Magic Johnson. Um, when you think about what he did over the course of his career and how, how often he won and the kind of leader he was and the kind of player he was. Now, a lot of people count Steph out because they'll go, well, you know, well, he liked to shoot the ball and everything like that, but, you know, he didn't distribute the way Magic did. But, look, they played in different eras. Magic played in an era where most point guards played like that. They were distributors first, and they thought about their shot second. Steph Curry plays in an era where – being able to shoot the ball is so important and being able to score the ball is so important. But more importantly for Steph Curry, this man changed an entire era of basketball, right? So basically now in basketball, if you're a guard who can't shoot the ball from the outside, you're basically worthless. And it, and it wasn't always that way. Guys played the game like, like Derrick Rose and Russell Westbrook, guys who couldn't shoot the ball uh, that well, but they were able to get to the basket. That was acceptable when those guys came along. When Steph Curry came along and was able to shoot the ball the way that he has been able to shoot it, that totally changed the NBA from top to bottom. I mean, when you look at the – we totally changed the way we thought about just basketball in general. Um, the the three-point shot became so popular when Steph Curry came into the game. So I think when you consider his impact on the game of basketball in this era, I think he has a legit argument to be the best point guard to ever play. I'm still going with Magic number one, but I don't think it's out of this world. I don't think it's crazy for Steph to suggest that he's the best point guard of this era. So, you know, look (laughs) – those things are always, they'll always be big on social media. They'll always be um, an opinion because there's no definitive um, answer to who's the best at something because it's all opinions. It's all about what we prefer, our preferences, what we like. So, yeah, I mean, that's one of those things that are going forever. But just that was a really uh, interesting debate topic for this week, right? So that's kind of what was on my mind. That sort of spilled into what was on my mind. That's what was on my mind right there. Um, Just sort of, and I think it's great. I think it's great for the sport to have those back and forths. When people have the Jordan-LeBron debates, now it's Steph Curry and Magic Johnson. I think those things are good. It makes for a great, healthy debate on social media. I think it's fun for everybody because there's really no definitive answer. For where Steph Curry is at right now, probably this time next summer, you could probably have the same conversation all over again. And that's what makes it fun. That's what makes sports so special. That's what makes a lot of debate shows like this one, like uh, like all the debate shows you see on television. That's what makes them so popular because there is no definitive answer to a lot of these questions, right? So in speaking of this show, Sports Tonight, you can f- catch it anywhere when you find your podcast, whether it's Spotify or whatever, on, on Apple or whatever, wherever you listen to your podcast, hop on there, download uh, Atlanta News First Sports Tonight, and let's catch up with some of these shows and, and just sort of listen to some of our you know, debate topics back and forth. You can do it as you're driving. Look, I know it's a lot of traffic outside, right? When you're going up 285 about 6 or 7 in the evening, you might not have time to tune in to watch this show. Uh, digitally, but you can listen to it wherever you listen to your podcast. 
So hop on there. Go to AtlantaNewsFirst.com slash sports slash tonight. Download this show and listen. All right? Make me... I want you to make me feel like I'm out here pouring my heart out for, you know, this is for a reason, all right? I mean, this is passion. So I think you need to hear this. I think you need to hear this day to day, um, especially here in the, in the Atlanta area. You know, it gives us some great uh, topics to debate within the Atlanta area as far as Atlanta sports as well, too. So let's get out of here. I'm going to let you get out of here. I'm not going to hold you. I'm not going to hold you. Enjoy uh, the rest of your Wednesday. We'll see you right back here tomorrow for sports tonight so we can discuss a lot more fun topics. I'm out of here. See you tomorrow.